All right. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here. I want to welcome you here again. My name is John Annenson. I'm the campus pastor here. And if you are brand new this morning or if you're visiting for the first time, we are so glad that you are here. We love new people at Hope. And so just let me say, we're really glad that you're here. What you just heard in the video, just some snippets, powerful words from someone that God used in powerful ways to break down barriers that God continues to use to this day. On this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, as we celebrate that officially uh, tomorrow, I don't know about you, but when I listen to those words of those speeches and watch that video, I get pumped up. Does anybody else get pumped up? A little inspired? Okay, you're the 11 o'clock service, folks. You've had plenty of time for coffee, so there's no excuses this morning, okay? I get fired up. I, I still, sometimes when I hear those words said in such a powerful way, I kind of get goosebumps. Uh, and it's not just some you know, weird, tingly feeling. I, I know what's going on, but I think I know the reason that those words still inspire us today. I think I know the reason that those words are so powerful, and it's, it's not because of Martin Luther King himself. Yes, he was a powerful individual that is a strong character in American history, but he was not perfect. Far from it, just as all of us are. But the reason that those words inspire us, I believe, is because King was pointing us to a God who is a barrier-breaking God. He was pointing us to a God that created us, every single one of us, with a deep desire in the core of who we are to belong, to matter, and to have a purpose. That's how God created us. Every single one of you, whether you recognize it or not, walked in here this morning with a longing to belong. Every single one of you walked in those doors this morning, whether you've said it consciously or not, every single one of you walked in saying, do I matter here? Do I matter here? Is there a place, does anybody see me? Do they notice me? Do I belong here? And unequivocally, I want to say, yes, absolutely, you belong here. There is a place for you, even if that has not been your experience before in the church. You matter to God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you belong here. And so maybe King's message is just as relevant as it has ever been. Every single person is made in the image of God and deserves dignity and respect. Amen? So maybe those words are just as valuable today as they have ever been. And you know that after the year that it's been uh, in our nation and in our world, we need these words. We need to hear this message over and over again. You heard this snippet from one of his speeches, not the famous I Have a Dream speech, but this is a different speech that you heard there at the very end of that video. And these are some of the words that King used in this speech, and this is the very end of it. But I want you to think about these words knowing that a few hours later, that King would be tragically shot and murdered, as you well know the story. These words carry a lot of extra weight and meaning when you realize that this speech was given on the eve of his death. Think how prophetic this is. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain. I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. <laughs> I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land for my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Maybe it's that King knew that his time was short, that when you put yourself out there and you make the call to love people radically, oftentimes the world will hate you for it because it's those people. It's the people on the other side of the lines that we tend to draw. But you can't miss 
The strong biblical imagery that's there as kings speaking. He knows his Bible, and so he's hearkening back to these Old Testament themes of Moses looking over into the promised land. But if you know your Old Testament and your Exodus story, Moses led God's people from what? Slavery into freedom. But did Moses ever get to go to the promised land himself? No. Did King ever get to see the full fruits of his life and his ministry? of racial reconciliation? No, he didn't. So there's some strong parallels there as well. And as you look at this, it would be easy to think that King is kind of taking and and picking and choosing what he wants from Scripture and applying it to his passion and what he ended up devoting his life to, which was racial reconciliation and justice in that way. But what we often forget is that on his business card, it didn't say Martin Luther King, um, you know, civil rights activist. It said Reverend King. Because long before he was out there and outspoken as a civil rights activist, he was a preacher. He was a pastor at heart, and he loved God's word. And because he loved God's word, he couldn't overlook the overwhelming themes of harmony and unity and reconciliation in God's word. And that's the difference, because the danger is is that what you might think he's doing is that what you and I do is that it's very easy to cherry-pick Scripture. It's very easy to pull out different snippets and say, well, I have this agenda, I have this cause, I have this idea, and I'm going to make God's Word sort of conform to my life and my agenda versus letting my agenda conform to God's Word. And we'll take little snippets of scripture that fit with our social or political beliefs and we'll say, well, that's what God's word says about it. And when we haven't taken the time to do the hard work of read the totality of scripture and the character of God. And one of the things we see as we look across the scope of human history and biblical history is that God is passionate about people. And God is passionate about bringing people together and breaking down any barriers that you and I like to set up and drawing lines in the sand and say, this is us and this is them. God has always been about us. God has always been about we, even though we try to draw up our lines. God is a barrier-breaking God. And so today I want to tackle that topic of diversity and racial harmony and reconciliation. And I feel a little odd doing so. I want you to, do, to know this, that if you would have told me even 10 years ago that I would be standing up on a stage preaching at a church in the city of Des Moines, at an urban church talking about racial and, and ethnic reconciliation, that I probably would have laughed if you would have told me that. You see, I'm from Story City. Does anybody know where Story City is? Middle of Iowa, you should. It's the center of the universe there, right there in the, in the middle. I'm just kidding. Right there in, in, in Iowa. And, and when we're talking about diversity, that's usually not where preachers from the city come is Story City. The only diversity that I knew was that, well, there was German Lutherans, there was Swedish Lutherans, and there was Norwegian Lutherans. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. Everybody say you betcha. Like, that's about all the diversity that I knew, okay? We were so diverse that there was three Lutheran churches within a four-block radius of each other, okay? Because we couldn't decide way back in the 1800s if we should do services in English or Norwegian, okay? So that's diversity uh, for me in Story City. And so I still feel a little unqualified to be talking to you about this, but I had some growing up to do, as we all do on these topics, some maturing to do. And we have to pay attention to who tells us what to believe. Is it our upbringing? Is it our tradition? Is it politics? Is it, is it our political affiliation? Is it the media? Who tells you what to think? And so I had some growing up to do in this. It's really easy to go everywhere looking for information on how we should feel about other people except God's 
word. And so I had some growing up to do, but as I've been digging into God's word, you see these themes come up again and again and again. It starts in Colossians chapter 3, this idea of harmony and oneness. Let's read this together in your 11 o'clock. I've been awake and I've had three cups of coffee voice this morning. Let's read it nice and loud together. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Everybody say all. All. And it doesn't matter, Paul says to the church in Colossae. It doesn't matter. In biblical times, some of you are confused. Some of you that are parents of teenagers think that the barbaric line refers to those in your house. It does not, okay? That's something uh, completely different. But in Jesus's day, there was this strong separation and this prejudice between Jews, the Israelite nation, and then everybody else, the Gentiles. I mean, this was a deep divide. This was deeper than any rivalry that you can think of. This was deeper than hawks and clones, folks. This was deeper than bears and Vikings or you weird Packers fans that we let in here for some reason. I mean, this is deeper than any rivalry, and I'm just kidding, in any sports that we have. The Jew and Gentile divide. The Jew and anybody else divide ran deep. And in fact, Jesus partially was put on a cross and killed. Because Jesus spent time with all the people that you and I spend a lot of time avoiding. Jesus didn't care so much for the lines that human beings had set up of who's in and who's out. And Jesus partially got killed for loving those people on the other side with that radical love. And so it's really good to stop and consider sometimes when you read passages like this, how did you come to see the world the way you do? Think about that. Think about your childhood. Think about your upbringing. Think about your, your church background. Think about your, your, your political slant. Think about what, the, what media you consume. Think about all the different opinions that you kind of put in and come up with the way that you view different races and ethnicities and different cultures and even different belief systems. It's really important to remember nobody's born with prejudice. Some of you have maybe heard this famous quote by Nelson Mandela that I completely agree with. He says, no one is born hating another person because of the color of their skin or his background or his or her religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they must be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. You want to know why I know that? I watch my, my children. I watch the way that they interact with the other kids at their schools. Love comes so naturally to them. Somewhere along the line, hatred is... Maybe not taught, but it's modeled for them. What are you modeling for your kids? Where, who, who gets to be Lord for you when it comes to how you view the other? You know, the people that aren't like you. How does that opinion come to be formulated in your mind? And in a world flooded with information in the information age that we live in, the danger is that we'll go everywhere but God's word for that viewpoint. How was your worldview formed on how you view other people? Who gets to call the shots for you? Who gets to be Lord for you on that? And so it's really important that we go back to God's word and do the hard work of discovering his heart. 
to say that my loyalty is not to a political party, it's not to a social agenda, it's not to what all my friends are saying on social media. My loyalty is to what the God who created me says and has been saying since the beginning of time when he looked at the people that he had created and said, it is very good. And he looks at you and says, you are very good. Every single person, even if they don't look like you, act like you, talk like you, live where you do, vote like you do, or believe what you do, is made in the image of God. Amen? That's what we believe as a church. That's what King fought for. And so it's really important that we go back to God's word. It's not just here in Colossians. We're just getting started. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're just getting started. Tell them that right now. We're just getting started. Let's go to Galatians. Let's read this together. Paul says this. Let's read it together. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everybody say one. One. Let's go to the next slide. The theme continues. Here in Ephesians, let's read it together. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Let's go to the next one. Here we go. James chapter 2. Let's read it together. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. I don't know how much more direct it gets than that. Merry Christmas, everybody. Be cheery today. There you go. Next slide. John chapter 17. Jesus had an I had a dream speech. And just a few hours before he was to be put to death, Jesus said this in John chapter 17. Let's read it together. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Are you sensing a theme here? Over and over and over. If you get it, say got it. No, I don't think you do. One more. Let's go one more. Uh, let's just keep going. Here we go. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Let's read it together. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Everybody say harmony. 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 I don't know what you think of when you think of harmony. It's not all that we sing the same note, right? The point of harmony is that different notes come together to make beautiful music. Speaking of, praise God for our worship team this morning. Aren't they awesome? Praise God for all that they do. Absolutely. It's not that we all sing the same notes. In fact, the beauty of harmony is that all the notes are different. If they would just sing all the same note or everybody would say the same note, it wouldn't have the beautiful sound that it does. The point is, is that they're different. And we don't want you to lose your distinction. And the same is true in the church. You're called to play your note, to play your part. That's why we say around hope a lot, we are better together. Turn to your neighbor right now, look him in the eyes and say, we're better together. Tell him that right now. We're better together. We're better because we're different. And I love how different this church is. Maybe some of you have walked in here and you kind of look around and go, wow, there's a lot of weird looking people in here. Chances are somebody's thought the same thing about you. So there you go, right? We're all in the same boat together. That's what it means to be the church. We're different, but God has called us together to not just coexist, but to be together for a purpose greater than ourselves. It would be silly if all the notes were the same, if we had a piano. Imagine in a piano if all the notes had the same tone to them. Well, a masterpiece wouldn't sound the same. Take a quick look at this next video and imagine if we were all the same. Take a look. Yeah, how cool is that, huh? Be together, not the same. Be together, not the same. I mean, that kind of sums up King's ministry in a lot of ways as well as don't just coexist. Don't just, the keys are all together. 
But if they're not different, we're missing the point. We're better together. That professional piano player could hammer out that, that same music over and over. He was playing the exact same thing and getting different results. The difference is every key played its part. Every key played its note. That's the point of diversity. We don't want to be all the same. We want to be on the same page to make beautiful music together. And it's important to know this isn't some theme that Martin Luther King invented in the 1950s and 60s and said, we're going to be about civil rights. Don't forget, Reverend King was a pastor who loved God's word. And because he loved God's word, he knew that from the very beginning of time and from the beginning of the church, this has been God's heart for us all along. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to start today. Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there are free ones in the back for you to take every single weekend. If you've got your Bible app on your phone, you're welcome to get that out as well. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to start. If you're new, if you're getting caught up, we are in this annual theme called 12 Books in 12 Months at all of our campuses is hope, and we're taking a month to look at a different book of the Bible. And so in the month of January, we are looking at Acts. And so we've been in this for a few weeks now, and we're moving along. But before we get to our scripture from chapter 10 today, I want to dive in to chapter 1 one more time. And let's read this together, this, this statement that Jesus gives to the early church and to us about our, what our mission is as a church. Let's read this word, these words together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in a more of a, a, a graphic way of viewing that, what you could say is that Jesus is giving us this mission. And to look at it in a, in a picture format, Jesus is kind of outlining these different circles of influence that he's calling us as the church to have. And just the same as he does for us, Jesus calls the early church to start their ministry where they already are, which happens to be Jerusalem. That's their closest contacts, the circle that's closest next to them. That's where the mission starts. But if you'll notice, Jesus then calls them to go to the outer circles, to go to the next rings out, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth and beyond. The mission is outward. You don't stay where you are. You don't stay with the people that are next to you. Now, if you look at that at face value, this seems like a nice little rah-rah, let's go be the church, and we'll go be witnesses for Jesus, right? Take another look, and if you go deeper than that, this is a radical, radical statement on cultural diversity, on oneness, on justice, on harmony. And the reason we know that is you need a little backstory, you need a little context, you need a little history to know the context in which Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying this to the Jewish nation, to his followers, to his disciples, many of which are Jews. And for hundreds and thousands of years with their ancestors, the Israelite nation has been God's chosen people. God's chosen people. All the way back to Genesis chapter 12, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And all of Abraham's ancestors, all of the Jewish people, are God's favorites. They're God's chosen people. Essentially, they're the ones on the inside, and everybody on the outskirts of the circle is on the outside. If there was a clubhouse, it would be the Israelite Jewish nation clubhouse, and there's a sign that says, no girls allowed. I mean, no Gentiles allowed, right? That's the idea. It's we're on the inside, and everybody else that isn't like us is on the outside. God is for us, not for all those heathen Gentiles on the outside. Essentially, there's the Jews, and then the Gentiles would be 
us, all of us, everybody else that's not a Jew. And so that's the context in which Jesus said this. That's why this is a startling, radical, provocative statement for Jesus to say, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Awesome. Those are the people that are like me. In Judea, what? Samaria? I don't like Samaritans at all. But if I'm going to share my faith with somebody, that means I actually, I can't just tolerate them. I'm called to love them. You know those people that you love to hate, the people that are on the outside that aren't like you? To the ends of the earth, I'm going to encounter people that are so different from me. And Jesus says, that's the point. If the gospel is going to go out, you're going you're to have to start associating with all these people that are not like you. What a powerful statement. From the very beginning of the church, Jesus is saying, the church is a movement. The church is about action. The church was never meant to be some institution or some building that you look at or that you attend once a week and say, well, here's this institution that comes up with social statements and we're for this or we're against this. Within a little over 50 to 100 years, you see Christianity spreading throughout the Roman Empire at the time. And what we find is becomes the story of the early church. Christianity just spreads like wildfire, and it didn't happen because they hung out with people like them. And it didn't happen because they came and they came to a church service once a week. It happened because there was a group of people that loved radically, that didn't just tolerate the other people around them. They went and they loved them with this radical love. And so that's why on this weekend, it's not enough to say, well, I'm going to celebrate Martin Luther King's legacy, and I'm going to post one of his quotes to my Facebook page. Boom, right? That's great. That's awesome. But if you want to honor Dr. King's legacy, go find somebody you don't know that you've been prejudiced against that's those people, and go love them. Go love the people that are hard for you to love. Don't make Martin Luther King Jr. Day a holiday one day a year. Make it about being like Jesus every day. That was King's heart. Got to get out of your circles. What would it look like this year to widen your circles a little bit, to get out of the holy huddles that we love to get into as followers of Jesus? And that really becomes the story of the early church, to go to the other. And with a few hundred years, over half the Roman Empire had become followers of Jesus because there was a group of people that put aside their prejudices and their personal preferences for the sake of mission. And I say that because that could not be more relevant to where we live today. The church still needs to hear that. We let our personal prejudices and our personal preferences get in the way of mission. We are a mission-focused church. We're not an issues-driven church. We talk about issues, but because they're God issues. But we're not going to let the mission of the church be hijacked by some political affiliation or social stance or something like that. From the very beginning, we have been a mission-driven church. And we talk about issues because they're God issues. We love people radically. And that's what Peter was about to discover as well. And here in our reading today in Acts chapter 10, we get a beautiful picture of what it looks like for the church to widen the circle. So if you have your Bibles, now turn to Acts chapter 10. So if you're in Acts 1, turn to Acts chapter 10, just a few more pages over, and we discover the story of Peter. 
And so you, here you have Peter, a chapter before, in chapter 9, we talked about Paul, and on Christmas we talked about Mary. So we've got Peter, Paul, and Mary, we've got them all covered, all right? Here in Acts chapter 10, you have Peter, who's really the leader of the early church that's starting here in the middle of the circle in Jerusalem. And now Peter is a good Jew, and for all of his life, he has been a good God-fearing Jew that is following all these rules and traditions of what it means to be in relationship with God. And all of a sudden, all these people start converting to be followers of the way. It wasn't even called Christianity yet at that point. That was a few chapters later. But all these people start to follow Jesus, and they don't have to do any of the rituals and routines and don't have to ju jump through any of the hoops that Peter's been doing his whole life. So he's like, wait a minute. All these people can just come and be on the Insiders Club? Don't, don't they have to get circumcised? Don't they have to, 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 to do some rituals or some hand washing or eat certain things and do all follow all the laws that I've been my entire life? And this is really throwing Peter off and he's really struggling with this. And so God says, I need to teach you a lesson that you're never going to forget. For Peter, it was Jesus plus follow these rules. Jesus plus be good enough in this way. Jesus plus religion. It's always dangerous in our lives when it's Jesus plus. When it's not Jesus alone, grace alone, faith alone. There's no qualifications. And Peter was struggling with that, but all of that was about to change. God's going to teach him a lesson. And so God sets up these parallel stories. In the first part of the story, we meet a man named Cornelius, and he lives in Caesarea, a man named Cornelius. And we find out that he was a Roman centurion. And I don't know, I wasn't there, I don't know what he looked like, but I'm pretty sure he looked like Russell Crowe from Gladiator, okay? <laughs> So, so here's Cornelius, right, which is one of the greatest movies of all time, based on history, not completely accurate. But if you are Peter, if you are a Jew, you love to hate people like Cornelius. This is the epitome of your enemy. Think about it. You have been under Roman impression and rule for hundreds of years now, and he is a centurion. He might have murdered your family. He might have beaten people in your presence, right? You are so you, you love to hate Roman soldiers. I mean, he can't possibly be anywhere close to God. And then we read in verse 2, Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing man as well as his entire family. Don't you hate it when the people that you hate don't fit in the box that you've created for them? When you have this box that you've put, well, all Romans are like this. All suburban people are like this. All city people are like this. All teenagers are like this. All Republicans are like this. All liberals and Democrats are like this. And you go down the list. All Cyclone fans are like this. All Hawkeyes are this. You know, whatever it is, right? You have your box, and all of a sudden, God completely blows up Peter's box. Because not only is Cornelius a Gentile, he's a Roman for pity's sakes. So God is bringing Peter face-to-face -face in a face-to-face -face confrontation with somebody that he thinks is way outside of the scope of God's grace. And some of you, you have those people in your life that you've said, they are never, ever going to believe in God. You may have friends or family that you have just completely written off and there is no way that they would ever come to church. There is no way that they'd ever be one of those Jesus people 
You know, some of you might be those people and you might have been those people and you are a walking testimony to say nobody is ever outside the grace of God. Amen? And so here God is bringing Cornelius into his life. For Peter, Cornelius would have been the them. We all have a them, don't we? We all have a group of people that we point the finger at and say, you know, those people. The people that don't look like you, talk like you, live where you do, act like you do, vote like you do, believe what you do. And one of the telltale signs of prejudice is that we do dehumanize people. Because if I don't have to view them as a human being, then I can just call them by the label that I've placed on them. And some of you this morning maybe feel like you are the one that's been labeled. Has been. Mistake. Divorcee. Addict. Whatever it is, you go down the list. Some of you have been labeled, and you know what it's like to be on the other side, to be put in a box. All blank people are like this. And that's what Peter had done with Cornelius. <laughs> but have you ever noticed all those people that you love to label and judge and that you probably have prejudice about, that I have prejudice about, the moment you learn their name, the moment you learn their story, the moment you look them in the eyes, those walls just start to fall down and the labels start to peel off and you realize that they are another human being created in the image of God, not a foreigner, not, you know, those homeless people, not those rich snobs, liberal, conservative, Hawkeye, Cyclone, or Roman. You go down the list. And so here's Cornelius, a Roman who over here is living in Caesarea and he has this dream. And then you have Peter that's living over here on the other side of the story in Joppa. And God is like in the middle kind of being the conductor of this story and bringing these two people that could not be more opposite together. God loves to do that, by the way. God loves to comfort the afflicted and he loves to afflict the comfortable. And that's what God is doing in this story for both Cornelius and Peter. So he gives Cornelius this dream where he's told to go and send some men to Joppa, to Peter's house, who Peter, who he's never met. And then you have Peter over here in Joppa, who's having a dream almost at the same time. And we read in verse 11, this is Peter's dream. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds. And then a voice called to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Okay, can we just be honest? That's weird. <laughs> Sometimes the Bible is just really weird. And some of you, if you don't know the background of the story, you're like, maybe Peter had too much Jewish wine the night before, right? This is kind of a funky sci-fi sort of dream right here. But if you take a step back, you'll see what God is up to. In the Old Testament, God had given these laws to God's people for their benefit so that they could be whole and healthy. And a lot of them were dietary laws of what you should and shouldn't eat so that you protect. people didn't die. People didn't get sick, but Jesus was doing something new. And so Peter, being a devout Jew for his whole life, had been told there are certain animals that you eat, there are certain animals that you don't eat, and that's what it means to be a good God-fearing Jew. And so, of course, when the voice calls out, which we know as God, but the voice calls out and says, Peter, get up and eat, he's like, certainly, no, 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 no. But then the voice calls out again. Let's read this together up on the screen, verse 15. Do not call something unclean, if God has made it clean. 
So Peter's wondering what all this means, and all of a sudden, these two guys from Cornelius' house show up and say, hey, this guy sent for you. Will you come to his house? And that right there is a step of faith for Peter because he's like going to enemy territory, right? This is like me as a Hawkeye fan camping out in front of Hilton with a bunch of Cyclone fans, okay? This is taking a step of faith. And he goes to Cornelius' house, and instead of this, this confrontation with my heated rival, my enemy, Peter walks into Cornelius' house, and it says, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped Peter. Not in some weird way, but as a sign of awe and reverence, in humility. And it says that Cornelius started to explain to Peter about how God, the same God that you worship, Peter, had changed his life and the life of his entire family. And the story ends with Peter baptizing Cornelius and his entire family family. Romans are following Jesus. Jesus is for everybody. Peter learned this lesson. Don't you hate it when those that you love to hate don't fit in the box that you created for them? And Peter has this face-to-face confrontation with grace. And in verse 28, he says, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to even associate with you. Cornelius was so far on the outside of the box, and God starts connecting the dots for Peter. This isn't about food, it's about people. The whole story, the whole orchestration of this biblical story is for Peter to come face to face with somebody that he thought was on the outside of God's grace. And if God is telling us anything today, never, ever, ever look at another human being and think that they are out of the reach of God's grace. Amen? And that goes for you. Those of you that think you're a little too far away. Those of you that feel like you're disconnected from God this morning, that feel like things are maybe a little dry. Nothing is beyond God. Nothing is beyond his grace. And so Peter ends and really sums up the lesson that he's learned here in verse 34. Let's just read the first line of this verse. Peter says this, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. No favoritism. Peter discovers God's grace is way bigger than we think. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. Peter's heart was not changed because he read a book on racial reconciliation. Martin Luther's heart was not impassioned and changed for the civil rights movement because he went to a conference about civil rights. Their hearts were changed because both of them had an encounter with the living God. Do you want to make an impact? Do you want to fight for justice and change and for civil rights? Do you want to make an impact like Martin Luther King did? Then read your Bible and be with Jesus twice as much as you're reposting articles on Facebook. Be with Jesus and let him break your heart for the things that break his That's how the church grows. That's how we make an impact on the world around us. Not by arguing people into the kingdom, but by loving people into the kingdom with a radical love that Peter learned that day. Powerful things happen, Peter learned, when God shows up. Powerful things happen when God shows up. And we learned that in a very real way this past weekend. 
If you weren't around or getting you caught up, or maybe you were, just to recap, at all of our campuses last weekend, it was baptism of our Lord Sunday, if you're following along in the church calendar, which I know all of you are. It was uh, baptism of our Lord Sunday, and so we just decided to invite up anyone and, and everyone that had either never been baptized before or wanted to affirm their baptism. And it's always a little weird as the preacher to be up here and say, all right, let's go, come on up and be baptized, and then nobody's coming up. And it was tough for a while. And you want to know who led the charge at most of our services? Teenagers. Students. Multiple students coming up to be baptized, many of which for the first time. You know, those people, those teenagers that don't care about Jesus and the church? Folks, they're not the future of the church here at Hope. They are the church. And they're the leaders of the church right now here today. I'm so thankful for those people, you know, those teenagers who led the way, and one after another, you just started coming up. And it was powerful. People coming up with tears in their eyes, and we asked, you know, what's God doing in your hearts? And people were just speechless. I need a fresh start with God. I need, I need a new beginning. I don't even know what's drawing me up here, but they had a personal encounter with God. And I just have to say this this morning. I think that sometimes as the church, not just at Hope, but the church in general, we make it so difficult for people to encounter the love of God whether it's through our traditions that we just can't let go and our ways of doing church, whether it's through judgment maybe that you've experienced and some of you are just getting back into church now after a long time because you've been burned by the church or you've been hurt by the church and it's been so difficult and there's all these barriers between you and the love of God you feel like. And it was so amazing to be a part of that last weekend as I just watched dozens of you come up and like we weren't taken applications. There was no application process to be baptized. There was no qualifications other than I want to be connected to Jesus Christ. And you just came pouring up like you've just been waiting for it. And at the end of the weekend, 67 people were baptized right here at Hope Des Moines. So praise God for that. Praise God. In one weekend, can that just never get old? Can we just keep celebrating that for a long time? That's not normal, okay? It doesn't even feel Lutheran, but it's biblical, right? It's also Lutheran too, believe it or not. 67 people, every single one of them with a story made in the image of God, loved by God. And just as excited I was about all of those people, I will tell you what got me just as excited were the droves of you that stuck around after every service to cheer on and celebrate people that you didn't know at all. But you celebrated them because you get it, because you're an incredible church and you understand this is why we do what we do. That moment when people are experiencing the love of God, that's what all of it's for. You look at a big mega church like Lutheran Church opens, oh, they must be in it for the big buildings or the money or the budget or just numbers or whatever it is. We're in it so that people can know the life-changing love of Jesus Christ and you get it. That's why you're an incredible church because everything we do is for that moment. Amen? That's incredible. I'm so thankful for you as a church and the ways that you do that. But what I want you to know today is that it doesn't end there. For those of you that were baptized, for those of you that wanted to come up, we have baptism class tonight. You can come to it and learn more, and we would love to help you experience God's grace. So I had a friend that's a pastor see uh, some things on social media about what happened last weekend. He called me up and he said, John, 67 people in one weekend. Well, now what are you going to do? Right? What do you do now? And I just said, we're just going to remind them of who they are. We're just going to remind them of who they are. They're children of God. They're followers of Jesus. And 
When you're a follower of Jesus, you serve. You follow Jesus. You activate your faith. You start serving. It was Martin Luther King even who once said, you want to be great? Serve. Everybody can, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You activate your faith. Serving isn't something that we do as followers of Jesus, that some, some church people do and some people get involved and some people don't. As followers of Jesus, it's who we are. It's what we do. And so that's what we're encouraging you to do today is to activate your faith, is to play your part. That note on the piano that God's given you to play, play your note, be who you are, be you, because there's no other you. I love the diversity. I love the differences that we have as a church. And that yet, in that moment during baptism last weekend, it was a telltale sign of the heartbeat of this church that we love connecting people with the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. And so today, we're going to help you take that next step and activate your faith. It's a new year. It's time for a fresh start. And so you're surrounded by these banners today. And some of you are wondering, well, that's nice decoration. Well, today we are doing a ministry fair. After all of our services this weekend, it's been incredible. And so our leaders are going to start to, to come in and filter in and go to these different signs, and you'll see different leaders by those different ministry signs as well. And the reason we're doing a ministry fair, number one, is because that's what we're called to do. We're called to activate our faith. But the second reason we're doing a ministry fair, and I want you to hear me say this loud and clear, one of the biggest myths about Lutheran Church of Hope is that people walk into Hope and they go, wow, at any of our campuses, wow, there's a lot of people here, and wow, it's big. So I am sure that they've got everything covered and they don't need any help whatsoever. Folks, I can say without a doubt that is a lie from the pit of hell. We need all the help we can get. We need you to be the church. We can't do church without you. It takes 30 to 40 people just on a weekend with all the different volunteer areas and hospitality just to make weekend worship happen, not to mention all the different things that are happening during the week. Some of you have been coming for a long time and you're saying, I've been waiting for a sign from God. And I can say you are surrounded by 18 of them this morning. 18 signs from God of all the different ways for you to get involved. We can't be the church without you. And so what I'm going to attempt to do this morning is to summarize. Uh, I'm going to try to set a new world and Olympic record here by telling you every possible ministry that we have as a church, uh, at least these opportunities, many of which are in the next month. Some of them are coming up in the next couple weeks. So don't wait. Uh, don't miss it. And so I'm going to run through all these opportunities up on the big screen as fast as I possibly can and trying to give you some information and then go talk to the individual ministry leaders right after we're done with the service, all right? And I'm going to try to do this in two minutes and 52 seconds or less. Do you think I can do it? You can get out your phone. You can time me. That's fine, all right? But don't blink. Don't miss it, all right? So let's go. Here's all the things. Join a team. Hospitality right over here. We would love to have your help. Ushers, greeters, scripture readers, communion servers, all of that on the weekend. We'd love to have your help with that. Next slide. Breakfast Club Vision Night. Next Monday and Thursday. Right there in the back, there's Val. Breakfast Club is our breakfast for those that are low income and homeless. We do every single Sunday morning. You can serve food. You can bring food. You can bake food. You can set up. You can tear down. You can drive a bus. Lots of ways to serve there. Come check it out next week. Hope Kids, Saturday night, Sunday mornings. You do not have to be an expert. We'll train you. 
go talk to Rose in the back. Even if you have questions about your kiddos, that's age three all the way up to grade five. Next slide, facility and grounds team right over here with Chris. We would love to have your help if you're a, a, a handyman, a handy woman inside and outside the building. We do cleanup days, all sorts of projects throughout the year. Next slide, the care team. Believe it or not, we have people that care about you. And if you need care, you can do that. And we can train you to care for others. Our hospital visitation teams, our one-to-one -one care team. Go talk to Sue in the back. Next slide, assisted living outreach. We have a group of volunteers that goes. You can go and talk, talk to them in the back back there about our uh, assisted living team that goes to an assisted living facility twice a month for Bible studies and lots of fun back there. You can talk to them. Des Moines is our young adult service revive. Go talk to Kelsey over there. Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock for those that are college students, 20s and 30s, social activities, Bible studies, small groups, every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, be here for Revive. Next slide, CORE, we've already talked about it, starts a week from today, the 27th. You can go over here and talk to Heather. She'd love to talk with you about growing in your faith and learning how to read the Bible. Next slide, we'll keep going. Our prayer ministry, we have people that can be trained right there in the back. Go talk to Tony. People to be trained before and after worship. Uh, prayer, school for listening prayer starts a week from tomorrow. Life groups, we have, I think we have over 20 life groups for men, women, and couples. Go back and talk to our representative about life groups in all the different ways, men's, women's, couples groups, young adult groups, ways that you can get involved during the week. WizKids is our elementary outreach program every single Thursday night from 5 to 7. You can talk to Chris in the back. Also a great opportunity uh, for mentoring. Uh, we, we serve them food, and your life group can serve food and donate in that way as well. The nursery, volunteers are leading. Go talk to Katie in the back. She'd love to talk with you. We have lots of babies and kiddos here at Hope Des Moines, an awesome way to serve. Music and production team, our awesome production team in the back. If you love Jesus and have a pulse and a finger, we can train you. We would love to have you be back there and help with the production team and the music team uh, as well, vocalists and instrumentalists. Student ministry, Power Life and Ignition. You can talk to Ryan in the back. He would love to have your help. Wednesday nights, grades 6 through 12. They have a lot of fun. You can go talk to Ryan in the back. Our creative team uh, in the back. There, there's over there is Bev over there. Uh, our, our artists, uh, all sorts of sculptors and writers and visionaries, people that love to be creative. They get together on a regular basis and help with all sorts of projects. The If Gathering for Women, you've heard about it here in a couple weeks. You can head over here and talk to Dana. The men's ministry kickoff is this Thursday. We'd love to see you there, right over there. Next one, we're almost done. Play your part. Praise God for what he's doing at the church. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We did it. I'm sure that was a new record. Oh, three minutes. Okay, I was close. I was close, right? Play your part. And I get it. I get it. Let me catch my breath. Some of you are sitting there right now going, John, I'm not so sure. I just kind of like coming and slipping in and slipping out. Well, that's not what we do here. You're a part of a church. And when you're a part of a church, you're a part of a family. And everybody finds the note that God created them to play. Be you. Play your part. And some of you have got fear or apprehension about putting yourself out there or being known. Well, it's a good thing that we worship a barrier-breaking God. Not just racial reconciliation and breaking down barriers across cultures, but God breaks down barriers in your own heart. And if you're apprehensive about taking that next step, know today that Jesus wants to widen your circle and do a new thing and help you get out of your box and out of your comfort zone and try something that you've never tried before. And as Dr. King once said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Amen? Thanks for coming to church. Now go be the church. Go find a leader. Go thank him for being a leader. God bless you. We'll see you next week.